All right, hope everybody's doing good. We are here today with a teacher and percussionist here in Kansas City, Doug Arwater. How you doing? Doing great, Rob. It's good to see you. Yeah, man, thanks for coming. Thanks uh, for I, inviting me. I've, uh, I've, this is one of the first times that we've really sat down and talked, but I, I've seen you, you know, many times with Sons of Brazil, yeah. you know, and I, I really am always insanely impressed with that band. It's a, it is, it's a wonderful band. It's, it's almost like a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> And you told me before uh, before we started, 25 years? M well, more than that, um, a little bit more than that. We've been going since 1991, so however that shakes down. Yeah, wow. That's seven years. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and longer than many people's marriages, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you guys got, um, and I know I saw you a long time ago when you kind of had more of the five piece with, with Roger and then, but, um, and I know, you know, Danny's fantastic, uh, Danny Embry. And then I always forget what, what's your bass player guy's name? Greg Whitfield. Greg Whitfield. Yeah. He's fabulous too. Yeah. And uh, you guys are just an awesome. Everybody is. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, it. It's a, the format of the band in its most basic form is a quartet, mm -hmm. and that's with uh, Stan Kessler on and Stan, trumpet and right, percussion, yeah. flugelhorn, uh, Greg Whitfield on bass, Danny Embry on guitar, uh, me on drums. Um, if Danny can't make the gig, then Roger automatically mm -hmm. fills in for him. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of time we can be a five-piece band, and in that case it'll usually be Roger and Danny both. And then when we can, we add Gary Helm on percussion, who adds mm -hmm. another dimension. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. It is fun. Oh it's yeah. It's a huge sound. Oh yeah. And like, and so one thing, before we get into you kind of how you started, the, the thing that I'm always obsessed about is I always feel like there's a lot of us that are in this situation out as gigging musicians we have we're able to get those like $300 gigs right we kind of accidentally throughout the 20 years here in town kind of get a bunch of get you know a bunch of bands and we kind of get up to a little point and then it quits you know and then you get up to your 400 and it uh, quits and like what what's your like thoughts on like the scene here in Kansas City in general and getting up to where yeah. you guys are at, where you can kind of get up to the spot where you can bring in. Well, sometimes, you know, you know that's it. I mean, it was, we have been around for a long time. These people are stellar players. I mean, some of the times they're like six to $700 gigs. Mm -hmm. But what irritates me a bit is that most of the time they're, you know, $100 a piece. And I don't think that's changed for 20 years. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... Mm -hmm. uh, that's just what uh, clubs pay in Kansas City. That's what they've gotten used to paying, and it seems like that's the only number they know. Mm -hmm. um, so that it seems to me that should should be a little better than it is. But the uh, on the other hand, the joy of playing with those people uh, offsets mm -hmm. that. And mm -hmm. if you're making a living playing music in Kansas City, you probably are not just gigging. Mm -hmm. Um, you're probably doing some teaching, and if you're lucky, you're doing some university teaching. Um, all of us in that band, except, except for Greg and Gary, teach at UMKC. So, um, you know, that 
that helps out a lot. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. And the and so I mean, so I guess it's been a couple of things. Then obviously you guys have been in town for a while, right? You guys right. have been in town for more than ten years, twenty five whatever mm-hmm. years here. So you've had a chance to get to know many musicians, right. first of all, right. and you've gotten to know a lot of different people in the public too, right? Right. So like, so that that's kind of where my question is a little bit is that. Some of these guys, like myself, when I tried to run my rock band when I first got into town, um, it was really fun because I, I found, you know, I already knew Brad Williams, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely killer ba- or drummer. And, I, you know, I'd met some people already into town and I immediately had, you know, pretty decent jazz players four months into town, which is insane. But at the time, I didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really know where all the bars were at. I didn't, and and I didn't. Re- I gigged a lot in Wichita, but not really. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was still like a baby, not right. playing wise, but gigging wise, I was still yeah. very much a baby. And so, like, so that's what's been killing me about this this like level of like I was saying, all of us that are easily able to get our band and have any bar throw us the three four hundred if we mm-hmm. talk them into it hard enough. You know, but. When we get up to the people like Alani McFadden or like with your guys' band where you guys have a following now, um, it, it can't just be just the talent, right? I mean, you got, like I said, I mean, you guys have been in town, Lonnie's been in town for 50 right. years, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And now he gets like four weekly gigs at mm-hmm. play. Like, like, so, I mean, so, I mean, do you have any other thoughts on that about like how all of us how all of us can get to that next step because it seems like all of us are stuck. Yeah, and it's, you know, you know like, and when I was saying, you know, six and $700, I, I meant per person. Not right, not per right, day, yeah. You know. mm-hmm. But, but yeah, usually it's a hundred per person. Um, you know, the, everybody in the group has a lot of skills in various areas. Uh, all of us uh, play jazz. Gary Helm uh, plays a lot of world music. The percussionist plays a lot of tremendous world music, and he's a very, very good bassist as well. A great mm. funk bassist, as well as reggae and, and other forms. So, uh, you know, we we do a lot of different kinds of gigs. Um, mm. I play, you know, in terms of the sheer volume of gigs, I play way more straight-ahead jazz gigs than I do the Brazilian or uh, Afro-Cuban gigs, mm-hmm. um, even though the Sons of Brazil is a very regular, regularly performing band, uh, I do more straight-ahead jazz gigs, which mm-hmm. I love. Right, and, right. Uh, you know, I I love the people I play with, you know, in that that music also, and I love the the clubs for the most part that I play that music in. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. No matter, you know, I mean, when I was first. I, Starting out, I had no idea how to how to network. I mean, the word hadn't even been invented yet, or at least pertaining to mm-hmm. to marketing yourself. Yes. I had no idea how to do that. It was really hard for me to get going. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that's that's the challenge is is really being savvy about all those ways of getting yourself out there, and you know it it really it it gets down to playing as much as you can, jamming whatever you can, you know, and somebody hearing you and go, I love the way that guy plays, I'm going to hire him. And that's what it gets down to. And, you know, you gradually develop a 
a network mm. of people that hire you for gigs. Um, you know, nowadays, uh, you know, I've been gradually trying to trim things back, and I do so much teaching during the day. I just can't be playing till one in the morning on a Tuesday night if I've got right. a nine a.m. class. Um, so I'm I'm playing, you know, maybe three gigs a week now. But there was a time where if I didn't have at least 25 dates on my calendar, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, wow, yeah. You know, I've got to pound the bushes. Yeah, that's great, man. I mean, like, so, so here's another question. You were talking about playing a lot and networking. So I think all of us get, especially myself, who's, you know, who's still kind of getting into my, my gigging flow here, is that like, when I first got into town, I, I was a little bit nervous to go out to mm -hmm. some of the jams and stuff, but but not really. I kind of just was going out there and we'll just see what happens. And then I got over that fear and then I I was not fearful at all. But now here recently, now eight-ish, nine-ish nine years into town, now I've gotten a different mentality of what I think my standard of excellence should be. Mm -hmm. And so now I've noticed just to, just to you know, tell every, you know, tell everybody I've started to get nervous again, <laughs> you know, especially jazz, mm -hmm. you know, cut blues, you know, blues stuff. I'll just go out to any of them cause I'm not scared of that at all. But, and so one thing that I've noticed is a lot of the people, and you mentioned uh, UMKC, a lot of these guys that, that were kind of at UMKC when I got into town, I sort of remember them when they were kind of getting their chops figured out. Mm -hmm. And then now it's been eight years later and the, the Eddie Moores and the Andrew Olettes and some of those guys are absolutely tearing it up right now. Absolutely tearing it up. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, uh, um, you know, Steve Lambert, uh, Dominique Sanders, Sanders yeah. you know, I mean, all those guys all those are guys. just tearing it up right now. And so would you say that even if you're scared, like at the time, still go out and play because all of those guys might remember you. And then four years later, because we all remember how somebody plays, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, how do we do that? How well, do we all like memorize everybody's like, well, that just cracks me up. You know, it, it's, um, it's, it's true. You, you've got to, uh, you've got to be a good player. You know, I think what, what Marcus Lewis, Marcus Lewis said, be dope. You know, well, there's another thing. Be nice. Yeah. <laughs> that goes a long way. I mean, nobody wants to work with a jerk. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, I, very, very few of uh, the better jazz musicians, at least in the circles that I travel in, mm -hmm. are, I mean, they're, very few of them are not nice. You know, very, most of them are great people. And you, not only do you enjoy playing with them, but you enjoy hanging out with them. And it's a blast to, to go on these gigs. And what a beautiful cruise through an evening mm -hmm. these gigs are, you know. But yeah, you've got to get out there, and th and that's how you get better too. Is, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. yeah. uh, getting in a little bit over your head, and uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes a sink or swim situation. Most people can swim. Mm -hmm. They they find out that they can do things that they hadn't given themselves credit for right. before. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, when you reach, if you've got the, uh, the chops to back that up, maybe you don't even know you have those chops. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, you can find something to, to give, yeah. something to say. So you, so you would say, you know, 
you get I mean, you gotta know first of all, you know, when they're when they're dropping like two sixty Cherokee on you and you're like, Oh crap. Yeah. This ain't gonna happen right now. But you yeah, might, but, but there might be sure, other stuff that Yeah, but then know. make sure that you've got that for the next time. Mm-hmm. You know, one time I so I was in the army band in Berlin, uh, back in very early seventies, seventy seventy to seventy two. And um, I remember sitting in with some guys at the jazz gallery, and I didn't play very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a guy there who later moved back to Kansas City. He was originally from Kansas City, Carmel Jones. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was very candid. You know, he said, so, you know, you didn't have it tonight. Make sure you have it next time. Mm-hmm. Do whatever you need to do. And I did. Mm-hmm. I did. I wasn't going to go through that again. Yeah. So, you know, the next time I, I came, I, I brought it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was ready to go. So that's, you know, those are learning experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to do that. got to go through that. That's like, I've had that too before with students where that guy came at you with a certain kind of intensity of mm-hmm. comment there. And it sounds like you didn't go shrivel up and die. Yeah. You know, you, you went... All right, and you you stepped up and and made made the failure into mm-hmm. a into a positive, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very very direct with my students too mm. about those things. I, I will tell them, especially the ones at UMKC who have career aspirations, and really anybody that has a career aspiration, mm. they see a little different side of me than somebody that wants to come in and improve their their snare drum chops in marching band or something. You mm. know, those people, whatever they want to get out of it is fine but you start making career noises and um, you know if you are not prepared a couple weeks in a row and I'll say something like you don't I don't see a a future musician here Mm. this is not what a future career musician looks like Mm. so and so that's what a career musician looks like and he's, he's practicing three hours a day wow you're not practicing that much a week so that, it's yeah. not that you're wasting my time, you're wasting your time. Mm. See, I'm, I, I love that. And, and I had a guy in, in college, he taught the art of theater class, and he, he said that to a, because so it was just like a regular, for all the non, mm-hmm. you know, non-theater people, for them. And he basically told all of us, he's like, man, the theater people that I have come in here, sometimes I tell them, he's like, Broadway's ridiculous, you know, you've got, you know, he was like, to get there, it's nuts. Yeah. It's insane. Like, you you need to do this, 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 this. And he's like, and you know what some people say? They say that's mean, right? They, they say, as a teacher, you're sitting there and telling them, you, this is not, you know, may, maybe not even telling them that you're not going to make it, sort of telling them, if you don't act up, you're not going to make it, which is maybe yeah. a similar message. And... You know, this is a whole different, you know, political argument that you could make on this general idea. But is that mean or is that? I think it's mean to lead them on. Ooh, ooh, that's that's I totally mean. agree. That's mean. Mm-hmm. You know, mean not to not to give them expectations. I don't play God. I don't tell people what they can't do. Mm-hmm. But if if they're not performing and getting something together. It, where we can see an end, a good end result in a mm-hmm. year or two, 
then mm-hmm. it's it's mean to to say otherwise. Wow. Yeah. I. I I 100% agree with that, yeah. and I, that's, it's, like, tough as a teacher. We even go to teaching, I guess, now, but, like, that's what I've been asking every teacher on here is this idea of the, is those kind of moments, and when I have that conversation, if I have that conversation, um, how I have that, you know, mm-hmm. that, that do I need to do the kick them, you know, come to Jesus meaning, kick them in the butt moment, you know, yeah. do you... You know. Well, one of the things, too, I, I really try to develop a personal relationship with all my students, mm-hmm. regardless of what the outcome, you know, the perceived outcome is supposed to be. What, you know, just casually when they come in, so, you know, what, what, what do you do? What, what hobbies do you have? You know, the high school kids, mm-hmm. even the college students, what do you do when you're not doing this? So they know I'm on their side. I'm on their side. I want them to do well. So when I tell them, <coughs> give them a, the the tough love moment, they know that that I I'm doing it for them, mm-hmm. not out of some kind of ego trip that I'm on, mm-hmm. or I get off on demeaning somebody. I don't. I hate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't. I mean, I don't demean people, but I'll tell them, you know, this this is not what a career musician looks like. Wow, <laughs> I mean, that's practicing awesome. thirty minutes a day, maybe you know. Come on, right? Yeah, wow. What are like with with your teaching? Because you you said that you do kind of college age kids, mm-hmm. and you have for a while, but you also teach private, right? Yeah, I yeah. I, I love to start kids out when they're like ten years old, mm-hmm. nine years old, even, and oftentimes I graduate those people from high school. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. I get them get them started in a good way mm-hmm. and you know they're they're learning proper techniques and mm-hmm. and what I want them to learn what I think they should know mm-hmm. every step along the way so so I have no problem with beginners at all mm-hmm. so you and so obviously that's going to be a range of a range of ages all the way up to adult then mm-hmm. you know with college kids yeah. and like what I keep, and, I, and I'm sorry for everybody watching this because I've been asking every teacher this because I think it's the thing that all of us have the problem with. Because I, so I just want to go right to the the problem spot, and is that I have a problem knowing when I need to do that come to Jesus meeting. Mm-hmm. And and you were talking about this kid, and I think you maybe said the key. He's showing career aspirations, right? And that's the problem that I'm not. I I think as a teacher yeah. that I'm not understanding is I want. I just want them all to do that, so I yeah, do the come to Jesus meeting right. with everyone, and I don't, I don't like well, there's read varying the degrees. You know, like I, I just want people to get what they expect to get out of it, mm-hmm. and maybe, like I said, they expect they want to, they want to be good enough that they can play in the the pit orchestra mm-hmm. at school, or they want to graduate from bass drum to to tenors or snare drum. Right, you know. They, they have no expectations beyond that. When they graduate from high school, they will go to college. They may never play again. Or maybe, you know, they want to keep playing as a hobbyist in a, in a rock band or something. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. You know, that's, that's perfectly good. Mm-hmm. And I'm perfectly happy with that. But, like I said, if, if they have, you know, making career noises, then I just feel like 
I need to increase their expectations mm. as to what they need to do. Yo, yeah. What do you, I'm sure you've had this many times, what, what happens when you have the kid in there where, because this happens all the time with me and it, it kind of cracks me up because I'll be like, well, what music do you like? Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, well, I don't know. <laughs> well, because they've never listened to music, you know. I mean, they've been in orchestra, yeah. like they've been in orchestra for two years I, or something. I don't and really, I don't, that cracks me up. Yeah, I, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't recall that really ever happening. Sometimes, you know, they they give an answer that that they feel like I want to hear. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I I listen to jazz. Really? Like whom? And that's when it's like, uh, oh, uh, everybody. Oh, everybody. Well, <laughs> like. Name one, you know, and then, you know, it'll be something like totally predictable, you know, like, well, uh, Louis Armstrong or, or Duke Ellington, some name that yeah. everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Really? What song which, do you like about which, it? Which Duke Ellington yeah. album or do you especially mm-hmm. like? Oh, you well. Know, it's like, come on, you know, and, and sometimes we'll go, I'll go down that, that road with them up for a couple of minutes and say, listen. You really do need to listen to music. A, a huge part of this is listening to music. Find something you like. If you want to learn to play jazz, you've got to listen to jazz. Mm-hmm. And same thing about anything else, rock and roll. I mean, listen to that music. Oh, yeah. That's usually not a problem. Usually they are listening to rock. What mm-hmm. what I usually get is, you know, people that want to expand their horizons a bit. You know, they maybe they're playing rock and they want to learn to play jazz. And the first step is. These are some people you need to listen to, starting now. Yeah, like yesterday. Yeah, 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 And and, I mean, there's so much access to people in YouTube, Spotify, you name it. You know, there is no excuse for for not listening to people. So, you know, right away, I'll I'll give them some people to to listen to as as a drummer. Uh, Jeff Hamilton, for instance, a marvelous drummer that people usually haven't heard of. Uh, when they're starting out and then uh, they go hear them play and you know it's like wow mm-hmm. this, is, this is tremendous how come I never heard of this guy right you know yeah and I mean with different drummers specifically you'll you'll listen to certain people and you'll you'll see the one guy because this doesn't happen as much in classical I think at least from my experience we all get kind of trained very similarly and people have their tendencies obviously and stuff they're a little bit better at but boy in jazz like everybody sounds completely different from Mm -hmm. each other and you'll have the guy that like is very tight and precise Mm -hmm. and his pocket's good and and he's really you know he's really like you know exactly with the beat and then you'll see another guy who's like sloppy and in the pocket Mm -hmm. you know and then you'll see another guy that has like really interesting ideas but his pocket is kind of you know but his his solos are like a thousand times better than this guy right but this guy's regular drum beats way better than him you know yeah well that's it yeah you know study those guys and pick the parts out that you especially like and and uh start building your own voice Mm mm-hmm oh yeah and like and so 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 back to the teaching stuff. Do you is there any specific thing that you've seen some younger teachers do, or or even in the past, like at you one as the, a young teacher? Yeah, or? one of the things that I'm I'm not crazy about, and this is you know, of course, all these things are my opinions, but um, it the the world has been going a, more and more toward learning songs. Mm-hmm. 
And to me, that's a little like teaching to the test in a, mm. in a classroom situation. I have always taught rhythms. In fact, I, I wrote, I've written a couple of books, which I actually mm. intended to bring and go, you know, but I, <laughs> I didn't. Plug them, plug them. Plug them. Well, essential, essential rock for the drum set and essential Latin styles for the drum set, the two, two books. So the rock book um, basically starts out with very basic rock beats and then shows you how to develop them in complexity one step at a time. Mm -hmm. you know, you're just adding, adding one sixteenth notes to the snare drum and then sixteenth notes to the bass drum and just building on that. Mm -hmm. And you know, they'll learn um, not an entirely new s series of beats every every week, but pretty orderly. You know, within you know three weeks or so, they're on to something completely different. And I just found that they learn so much faster that way. Uh, my philosophy is learn these rhythms, learn what they sound like. Let's then pick them out. Let's listen to a song, and you tell me what that drummer is playing. And then you learn whatever songs you want to learn, but you don't have to learn mm -hmm. them. You just are playing them. And I've, I've seen how much quicker they learn this way rather than picking a song and then working on that song for a month. My God, they learn one song in a month? Mm -hmm. How about one song in 20 minutes? Yeah. You know, yeah. That's, that's, in my opinion, that's, that's what should be happening. But I see the other way more and more creeping in. I think that, that maybe my way is a little bit more of a gradual learning curve. Mm. And it's, it's not quite the instant gratification. Mm. You know, you're yeah. not maybe learning this Weezer song, but, but, but when you learn this first series of beats, it's like boom, boom, bap, boom, boom, bap, boom, bap, boom, boom, bap, boom, 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 bap, boom, boom. It's my Sharona. Right. Or doom doom bop, doom doom bop. You've just learned a Weezer tune. Right. So that's that's the way I do it. I yeah. Mean, I just I think it's uh, it's just a much more effective way to go about it. I totally know what you mean because it seems like to me, and this is probably unfair to like the blues jams or blues bands, but like w whenever I go to a jam, I mean it's it's you know slow funk shuffle. Mm-hmm. There's not a fourth. <laughs> there's yeah. you know there's yeah. rock tunes, but, yeah. but you know, and, but that would be maybe what you're kind of explaining is that don't go learn a song. Learn how to do a shuffle. Yeah. Learn and for sure you need to learn tunes. If somebody right. calls a tune, you need to know what that tune sounds right. like. I, I right. you know I don't mean to imply that you shouldn't have a catalog of tunes that you right. have. Um, you know, one of but the, you're talking about learning, learning a style sort of, and what what I think is funny about the shuffle thing is if you learn how to play a shuffle, you got 800 tunes immediately. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, right. I mean, and then learn, then listen to a bunch of them and, and see mm -hmm. how what you know fits in. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Then you add. Then then now you've got the framework right, right. and then now you're just learning where the hits are. Yeah. Or the stops or whatever. Yeah, exactly. In the, I mean, the yeah. form. And so, so my question on that in, in regards to teaching is that I like to do that too. And we have tons of, I'm sure you guys have all sorts of little, you know, the paradiddles and all mm -hmm. this, you know, individual stuff. For us, it's shifting, vibrato, like mm -hmm. there's all these little stupid things that you learn. 
and I want to teach that way too. I want to teach uh, techniques right. is sort of what you're talking about. I have a problem though, because you're fighting kid wants songs, you want technique. And then, so is the, is the key that you, you have to like make them buy into that? Mm -hmm. Is that, is that the key, right? I, you know, that's one of the great things about having, you know, kids that start with you when they're nine or 10 years old, mm. you know, you've, you've got their trust. Mm -hmm. And so when you tell them, okay, I want you to do this, they just do it. Um, and if they say, you know, can we, can we learn a tunes at some point? Yeah, bring it in. Let's listen to it mm -hmm. by all means. Yeah. And I, I don't know with rock, I've noticed too, that it's funny cause I've done so many of these blues jams that you, you, you kind of have your, as a drummer, I would, I would guess there's probably way more to it and I'm being mean here, but like you kind of do your shuffle and, but there's not really many hits, you, at least at the jams. They don't, they just kind of do their shuffle and funk all the mm -hmm. way through slow. But with rock, there's like hits, you know, dun, 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 and right. then you right. go on to the chorus, go on to the end. So like in that way, I would think like rock would be a lot harder than blues in that. I mean, would you agree with that or is it? Well, I think generally, yeah, it generally it probably is. Like the memorization part, I guess, yeah. is remembering every single song because there's sure. songs that are pretty different, but boy, it, it seems like at the jams anyways, well, you got your yeah. 40 shuffles that all, yeah. It's kind of all the same song, right. like you were saying. Right. You learned right. your right. shuffle, and now you have forty something. You know. Yeah, I just, I just like for them to, you know. I mean, we, we. I'm a pretty catholic teacher, meaning, mm -hmm. you know, I'm pretty. I don't, I don't do a lot of avant-garde techniques or any, yeah. any bizarre stuff. I mean, we start out on snare drum, and they learn how to read. Mm. And I've also had the luxury of being pretty. Um, well, fairly adamant in a way about what I do. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't accept students until they've had fractions. Some people, you know, Whoa, teach yeah. teach kids that are five years old, and that's that's great. If they get good results, that's wonderful. But that's not the way I do it. I I want them to be reading music, and they can't really understand the divisions of notes that you, know, huh. you, you divide a whole note in half and you get a half note and a half note and a half, you get a quarter mm. note and this is how this works. If, if they don't have, you know, some very basic arithmetic knowledge. So, you know, for that reason, I, I seldom, if ever, start uh, a student before they're nine. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. My mom taught special ed 24 years and she talks about that kind of idea all the time. And I'm, I'm pretty obsessed with that about, you. They can't get the song and we're, we're sight reading. Well, you can tell that it's kind of a rhythm thing. They sort of know where all the notes are, mm -hmm. but it's it's a rhythm. So you're like, okay, rhythm. But I'm like, okay, so play me this. And they're like, oh, it's pretty obvious that they are not counting. Okay. Yeah. So now we got to go back to count. Like there's all these stages before oh, the I make stage. them count out loud. Yeah. But then I'm like, they can't read this. Oh, they don't even know that that's called a quarter note. Right. Oh, now we got to go back to quarter note day. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like, and, and then you just mentioned something else with the fraction thing. Well, they, they don't understand fractions, so that's why they're not in. So like, that that's just blowing my mind because that's that's, well, that's one of those stages starting the them stage. at, from the start. Yeah. You know, I can I can go with something that I know works. It's mm. worked literally hundreds of times 
mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from here's how you hold your sticks to here's how you make proper strokes. Mm-hmm. And then here's how we start to learn to read music, which happens within the first two weeks of, of instruction. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we start reading our first basic rhythms at this, the second week. Mm-hmm. Unless they haven't practiced the first week. And then I said, well, I'm sorry you haven't worked on this, but you're going to have to before we can go on. So this week you need to practice. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Do you, do you teach them to come up to here? No, I teach them, I teach them full strokes. I do. But yeah, no, I don't. Those drummers that are... Yeah, yeah, no. I watch my buddy Brad, you know, he's... You know, his yeah. stick is... Right, you right. High-level technique and so, you know... You know, I don't really get into too much of that nuanced mm-hmm. playing. It's they kind of gravitate to that on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, some of my people are are like that. You know, the kind of everything is is pretty low and close and and Tight, meticulous. Yeah. Other people, you know, are are bigger. I mean, bigger strokes, and that's just how they work. Now, if they're pounding, we have a problem yeah 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 but you know just uh playing in a more robust way or a a more um what's the word not restricted but just a more closed down Mm -hmm. way people kind of just do that through Mm -hmm. their dna or something right i don't know and watching you probably too yeah right their osmosis thing right. a little bit because i mean we all watch our yeah. teachers yeah and, and i've noticed that with my with my left hand recently right. and I've, I've kind of remembered the exact curvature of mm-hmm. his fingers just and then i'll look at my hand and i'll be like oh yeah that i remember that looking like this teacher and not this yeah. teacher you know well rock drummers that come in and, and you know they, they didn't start with me at the beginning and they they come in they've been playing for a few years and they mm-hmm. want to learn to play jazz and so that's that's something when I do have to teach them to uh, use a different technique and make a different sound yeah because jazz is very much off the cymbals off mm-hmm. the drums and not into the drums like rock is rock you want those tom-toms to explode jazz you, you don't want that to explode yeah. you, you wow, I've never thought about that. You, yeah, you're you want a beautiful singing sound off of everything. Yeah. And the drums are tuned tighter, and it's mm. just a completely different sound. Just like speaking a foreign language, you may use your same voice. Mas quando falo português, é um different, a som diferente. When I speak Portuguese, it's mm. a different sound. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. That was impressive just now. Well. <laughs> different language one of those things one of those things that oh yeah absorbed along the way yeah so with with all of your latin stuff that i know you've done a lot uh, one thing that i've you know learned in the last bunch of years now that i've started to kind of play a little bit of this stuff is i didn't even know that all of these different beats actually came from different countries yeah you know like can, can you talk about that well a we bit? you know that's something that's a very midwestern thing yeah you know I, I find that that in places like New York uh, people where there are large uh, Cuban populations large Brazilian populations people seem to understand that more than they do here where there are mm-hmm. not the that whole 
concept of Latin music is all one thing. Embrace yeah. it's all one big thing. Yeah. That's the first thing that I have to do in teaching people how to do that. Okay, so you know this is these are Cuban styles. Mm -hmm. These are Brazilian styles, and then when we do those. We, We'll we'll talk about some other ones too. Mm -hmm. You know the merengue from the Dominican Republic, the cumbia. Yeah, so so go Columbia. through a couple of them. So so merengue is is Dominican Republic. Right. Uh, so Mambo, it, cha cha cha, songo, bembe. That's from Cuba. Mm -hmm. uh, samba, bossa nova, uh, baião, partido alto. Those are from Brazil, mm -hmm. and they're very 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 different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's cool. And then like, Argentina is tango, tango. right? Yeah, mm -hmm. tango, tango. Yeah. So like, and that that's what killed me because I would hear, at the time, I would hear some like kind of Afro-Cuban kind of stuff, and I didn't really know what I was listening to. Mm -hmm. I could easily tell it was Latin music, but I didn't really like start hearing the differences. But now I can pick out bossa nova pretty easy yeah, when I hear yeah, it. Yeah, the instruments that they're used are, are different. The, the sounds are, mm -hmm. you know, everything is different. Really. Yeah. You know, Cuba is all about hand drums. Uh, and Brazilian music, you know, um, just completely different drums, mostly. I mean, some hand drums, mm -hmm. but but just different shakers and different. It's just everything. The timbre is is different. Texture is completely different. Mm -hmm. One thing that was killing me was uh, Pancho Sanchez. Mm -hmm. I know his his band's sort of famous. I have a couple albums of his down there, and they've got you know. Three percussionists in their band, you know, right. the leader is the conga player, or whatever those right. things are called, you know, so like that was killing me. And, and that I was, I was, I've been telling my students, I'm like, what does that tell you? You know, that the leader of the band mm -hmm. is the drummer. What, what does that tell you? And the, their answer is the right answer. Usually that they think rhythm is a very, very, very important, Yeah. you know, in that kind of music. Yes. But then you go over to a different music, like maybe classical mm -hmm. in general. I would say the harmony, yeah. you know, in general takes huge precedent right. over... Right. Yeah. So I, I just think that that's so cool that... So what would be your advice, like you were talking about the rock guy wanting to do jazz. What, what would you say you would, you would tell kind of a normal student that hears some some there, there may be let's say they're a regular kid and they like american rock mm -hmm. but they hear this stuff and like a big drum circle of guys and they're like oh my gosh that's the coolest thing i've ever heard mm -hmm. what would what would be the first couple things you would start telling them so uh well it would be it would be completely dependent on what what they had heard mm -hmm. you know yeah um, drum circle you know you're gonna be talking about usually conga drums and djembe's so we're talking right away. We're talking about African music generally, right? And and Cuban rumba. So, uh, you know, getting them going on some fundamental aspects of that. If that's what they're doing, then I'll probably uh, get them with some African drumming first, and then mm. and then maybe the Cuban stuff after that. Right. Um, and just learning concepts of of clave and and uh, in from Cuba and the rhythms that uh, how the rhythms correspond to that mm. uh, you know it's fairly it's fairly involved but if you do anything in the proper sequence you know it's it's not overwhelming it's when you stand mm. back and look at this huge complicated building that you go right. you know as they say in Brazil it's 
it's like a donkey looking at a cathedral. <laughs> it's a great expression. Oh, yeah, that's a great, yeah. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, looking at a fully developed musical style is like that. But when you start with the, the pieces that make up the components that mm. grow into the other aspects of it, you know, it's not really that complicated. Right. So if they don't have a hand, if they don't have a djembe or any of those things, would you start them on that kind of stuff on the trap set? No. Or would you? They're not, no. Yeah. No. Not unless, or just uh, on I mean, if they want to learn, if they want to learn how to play, you know, the, the trap set rhythms that go along with that, right. I do, but if they really set on a, a hand drum derived style, then, uh, I'll start them on that, and if they want to continue, I will probably even send them to somebody that specializes in that more than I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a, there's definitely a couple guys in Kansas City oh, that are killer at that yeah. kind of stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's cool, man. I know the the thing that was killing me when I when I started to get into this jazzy kind of stuff is that for me playing so many so many march style kind of beats and I, I consider it kind of more straight style mm -hmm. beats and the swing stuff wasn't hard but it was definitely easy the latin the like bossa nova stuff was actually easier for me than the swing stuff and and the only and i would think that that kind of stuff is you the, the bossa nova samba kind of stuff is a lot more syncopated i think in, in my opinion than some of the swing but it's like to me it feels more straight and that's yeah. why I, that's the only so that's the only explanation that I could figure out why yeah, that was easier than the swing. It's just um, there's just different aspects to that, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's just there are things about each of them that are more complex than the other. Mm -hmm. Swing is is can be difficult because in order to properly do it, it's it's constantly changing. I, I liken it to a, a river, you know, that mm -hmm. is always the same but always different. So, you know, a, a swing, you know, a straight ahead jazz, you know, you've got like a ride cymbal pattern and then you have a dialogue between the snare drum and bass drum and hi-hat sometimes mm. that is shifting. And in bossa nova, you don't really shift things as much. Mm. You know, there's, it's just different, you know, yeah, there's different sure. aspects to it. Yeah. And it depends, you know, on, on what level you aspire to on all of that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, how, how much work you're willing to do and how how far you're, yeah. Well, I always tell people to approach it as a foreign language. I mean, it, it, don't mm -hmm. try to bring the rock stuff you know into this. Mm -hmm. You know, don't don't do that. This is this is different. When I first studied Portuguese in 1989 or so, uh, one of the first things I had to do was stop translating. English into Spanish because I already had some Spanish mm. and then translate that into Portuguese. Oh, so now you're dealing with three, right? Instead of just... Yes, you yeah, know, so yeah, I had yeah. to lose, I had to lose my Spanish, mm. you know. Now yeah. I, I found later that I hadn't lost it completely, but I had more or less tabled it mm. and put it out of my mind for the time being, you know, let's get this going with Portuguese. And that's what people uh, need to do when they're learning a style. You know, learn that style. Yeah. Don't don't try to bring your rock stuff into mm. samba. Yeah. Because that that's just going to get you in trouble. You're you're sure gonna sound like a tourist <laughs> a lot longer than you you would like. 
That's pretty funny because that's I was just talking to my grandpa about that about me sounding like a tourist playing country, you know, like I'm I'm a, right. I'm a fraud, you know, like yeah. playing country. I mean, it, enough to the audience. The audience thinks it's fine, but I know, you know. Oh, I know. I, thing, sometimes you know? I I listen to a a singer, you know, who who wants to sing in Portuguese, and you know, it's a very valid um, endeavor, but. A lot of times they don't take seriously how difficult it is to do that, so they do a poor job. Right. And somebody in the audience says, "Gosh, you know, that person just sings so beautifully in Portuguese." And I'm thinking, "And you would know that how?" Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what word is that? Well, I, uh, I don't know. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. 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 That's yeah. It's, it's it sounds a, exotic to you. And, right. Okay, it worked, but actually. It was awful. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a fake it till you make it kind of a thing exactly. that is exactly. tough. Yeah. You know, when, when you get when you get into, you know, I'm not I'm not on your level, but I know that, you know, when you study enough, when you when you literally start learning like Portuguese, you know, and, and, and understanding like what what these guys are really saying in this song or, or going literally going down to Brazil and like li yeah. studying for real, the the we all know that you got to do the fake it till you make it, but it's, it's oh, and tough I did. to buy into that. And, oh, I and, did. And weird to, so it's I not played, authentic. You I know? played some of the, the most gringo samba that I thought was so badass, you know, <laughs> and it, it was not. Unfortunately, yeah. I, I learned better before I went to Brazil for the first time. Mm -hmm. I had a, a really great story. The, the very first time I was in Brazil, I am, well, before that, okay, so I, my, my, tourist samba. You know, it's just like these kind of linear hand patterns over this doom da doom da doom da doom bass mm -hmm. drum. It had nothing to do with samba. Yeah. Did it sound cool? In a certain way it did, but it wasn't samba. So uh, Brazilian recordings were very hard to come by in Kansas City. We're talking late 80s here. Yeah. Very difficult to come by. But uh, this starts to change, and there was a, a solo album by Jose Roberto Bertrami, a, a great keyboardist. It had a drummer named Robertinho Silva on it. This was unbelievable. I just it just made me want to dance all the time mm -hmm. when I heard it. So you know, I, I said, okay, I'm going to play along, and I tried to play along, and it sounded horrible. <laughs> I'm like, what am I rushing? Am I dragging? What's going on here? No, I'm right. With, oh. What is this? Mm -hmm. So finally, out of frustration, you know, it's, it's like, okay, you have got rhythmic skills. You can transcribe this, and you're going to do it. Yeah. Tough talk to myself. So I did. Mm -hmm. You know, I wrote, I wrote out about 32 bars, and it's like, oh, I see a pattern here. None of which that I was playing. Sure, yeah. So I absorbed that, you know, and, and uh, shed that for a bit, uh, for a week or so, and then sit down and try to play along, and it works. Yeah, yeah. It works. Okay, so I've broken the code. So, you know, a couple of years go by, and, you know, I'm, I'm uh, playing that with greater efficacy or whatever, and... and uh, Finally, it's time for me to make my first trip to Brazil. So I've studied Portuguese for about a year and a half, and, and I go. So I, I arrive in Rio, and, and it's amazing. There, the mm. music is just 
oozing out of the cracks on the sidewalks. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm looking in the paper and all my idols are playing everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of freaking out at first. And then I figure out, okay, this is not like Kansas City. They're not gonna do just one show. They're playing in a club for several days or a showroom, right. as they was more likely. So one night, I go to see one of my idols, this drummer that I mentioned, Hobertino Silva. Uh, he played with Wayne Shorter, and he was mm -hmm. Milton Nascimento's drummer, tremendous guy. So I go and um, see him play, and he walks in, and for whatever reason, I, I guess just the enormity of the undertaking of getting to Brazil, mm -hmm. I'm kind of more unabashed there than I am here. I'm more likely to come, go up and introduce myself and talk to somebody. I don't do that stuff here. Jackie yeah. Jeanette comes and plays in a club. I sit there and I go, that's, that's amazing right. and goodbye. <laughs> there, you know, I, you know. So anyway, I, I see him come in the club and I introduce myself and, and tell him, you know, what a big fan I am and I have him on this recording and this recording and, and uh, he says, uh, oh, well, you said you're a musician. What what do you play? Oh, this is in Portuguese, and mm -hmm. my tortured Portuguese. And I said, well, I play drums, like you. And uh, he said, well, then you must play tonight. What? <laughs> no. Well, that was my my mental knee jerk. But then I realized, um, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? If you are so nervous, and and just out of your element that you can't play a note, you'll walk out of here and you'll never see these people again. Mm -hmm. If you don't do this, you're gonna regret you'll it forever, regret it yeah. for the rest of your life. Yeah. So yes, I will play tonight. Yeah. So uh, he plays a set and then he brings me up and these musicians, um, I learned as we go that they were like the A-list session, the wrecking yeah. crew right. of Brazil. Each of them been on you know, scores of recordings. Wow. So um, it turns out they're intrigued with the idea of playing a jazz tune with, or a couple of jazz tunes with an American drummer. Yeah, sure. So, um, great. So we play a couple of tunes. They said, well, Horbacino's upstairs having a, a drink with a lady and uh, we need to play a samba. Can you play a samba? And it's like, please play a samba. Yeah. It's the answer to my every prayer. Right. So, um, Away we go. And then there is an, another one, uh, another person has come to sit in, uh, a singer, and he wants to do a tune by Javan that has some field change, field changes in it. Yeah, where yeah. it shifts from samba to like partido alto and, yeah. and back, and, and they're going, no, 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 that's too complicated, you know, the drummer, and I'm going, you know, I know the song. Yeah. And the pianist looks at the bass and says, ooh, gringo sabi, you know, and they laugh and like, yeah, whatever. So off we go, and you know it's it's smoking. Yeah, I'm, I mean I can't even I can't believe how good it's sounding with right. these guys, kind of propping me up. And I'm you know I'm making all the changes, and you know kind of got my eyes closed. I'm into it. And I look over, and the pianist and the bassist are laughing. Mm. <laughs> What's up with that? This is sounding killer, you know. And they right. see that I'm looking at it, and they laugh and give me the thumbs up. And you know after the tune, they they said we just can't believe that the tourists fell in off the street and knows the, the tunes us, yeah. and the, yeah. all the changes and and so I'm going well thanks you know I'm having a great time but you know time to relinquish the chair which 
proper gig etiquette, mm -hmm. as we had mentioned. You know, I, we play a couple tunes and you're off. And so I said, oh, no, 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 Robertino's still upstairs. Keep playing. So after we finish each tune, I'm going, okay, I'm done. No. And then finally I said, what's the matter with you? We're having fun. Aren't you having fun? I said, yeah, but where, from where I come from, this is very poor etiquette. And I said, look, you know, Hobertino has this gig every Tuesday night, and, um, you know, he'll play again next Tuesday night. Mm. He'll sit in, and let's go. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I play the rest of the night, <laughs> and uh, which was only, you know, another maybe 40 minutes sure. after that point. Afterwards, I'm just walking on air, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I can't believe this has happened. Yeah, wow. And so yeah, I exchanged phone numbers with some of these people, you know, famous musicians, Mauro Senizzi playing saxophone, Luis Elmaia, anyway, just a who's who of Brazilian recording guys. And, and uh, I go home, you know, and I can't sleep, you know, it's <laughs> amazing. I'm drinking cachaça, looking at the ocean, right, yeah. all of this. This will never happen again. Well, in a couple of days, the pianist called me and, and Doggy, <laughs> you know, we're, we're playing at a jazz club almost across the street from your hotel. Can you come and play some tunes with us Sunday evening? <laughs> oh, yes! So I go and, and again, so um, I played and then I played again. They asked me to come and play the next Tuesday. And so these friendships that I made have mm -hmm. endured to now. And, yeah, I, wow. and I still go, sit in with them. When I was when I was single, I would actually gig. I would be in touch a couple of months beforehand, mm -hmm. any time <laughs> that, that uh, you know, Pasquale or whoever is playing can't make it, you know, give that's, me a call if you want. That's awesome, man. And, it, and it, so I did. I would usually gig once or twice if I was there for, you know, two or three weeks. I would mm -hmm. wind up playing a gig <laughs> and having a great time. That's cool. Like I, I've always been curious how I would, how I would, you know, stack up in another town, like in in a in an, well, an, a Memphis open blues jam. Right. Just going down there to see what that would be like. Yeah. You know, I'm sure it would be really similar to what we have here. You know, and to see quality musician wise, mm -hmm. if if I'd be able to just kind of go in there and hang with whatever they're doing, that'd be really fun. And this is the yeah. what you just described. Well, as that the was extreme the validation, of that. the supreme oh, validation sure. oh, yeah. of everything. And uh, I've been back probably a dozen times or so, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and I always sit in and I'm, I've always just been embraced by those wonderful people. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're they're my brothers. Oh yeah, that's a, and Matt Hopper was talking about something. He was this is maybe even two years ago when he went down to mm -hmm. Brazil or he went somewhere down in South America. Yeah, he went and, to Brazil. Yeah, Porto Alegre, a city, a good ways to the south of Rio. Oh yeah, okay. And he was talking about he got to go play with some people, mm -hmm. and he said it was hilarious because like he was down there to play there. Bossa Nova and whatever, and, and they're like, oh, no, 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 we're playing swing, you know, we, we right. want to play, and it was just funny how the 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 respect there was, he, he said it was insane, he's like, I was, yeah. they, they were like, no, we don't want to play that, we want to play swing. Well, you that know, was we, my entree, and, it was playing a couple of bop tunes. Right, yeah, that's funny. These guys. He was saying that, he's like, because he's at, because he finally talked, he was, he was like, I finally talked him into playing some of their stuff so I can play with them, and they're, they're all like, okay, fine, and he just, he's like, it was a freaking cloud, like, he couldn't even handle it, you know, yeah. I mean, they were just gliding, and it was like the most insane rhythm he's ever played with before, you know, 
and then they got went over to the swing and it wasn't bad you know it was these were killer players you right. know but it didn't say, it obviously didn't sound like the boss and I'm sure his you know someone like a Matt playing medium swing is like kind of our stuff mm-hmm. you know kind of a Kansas City sound yeah. and I'm sure you know he sounded like gliding you know to them yeah. on that but uh, that was so cool how the the just mutual respect sounded genuine mm-hmm. you know when he was telling us the story that yeah. was so cool that they wanted to play his stuff and he wanted to play you know um, well it's yeah. interesting that this pianist that, that I sat in for for the first time and that I've had this enduring relationship with during enduring friendship with over all these years uh, he's very he's very good at playing jazz and what his gig is basically about forty percent American jazz mm. and sixty percent Brazilian yeah that's cool jazz so it's perfect you know it's perfect and we're mm. we're really happy playing together mm-hmm. it's, yeah it's it's perfect for each of us oh yeah yeah that's cool man um so in in general probably probably close to wrapping up here just any any other kind of advice for maybe the tw- the 20 year old the 20 year old giggers you know mm-hmm. like the the college kids that you probably deal with quite a bit uh, any any other advice for anybody like that that's trying to get to this kind of next yeah next level? i guess uh, you know the, the i think one of the most important things is learning styles don't just stick to one thing you know mm-hmm. it's great if you can swing your butt off that's awesome but but get really good at some other things to separate you from the other amazing swing players mm-hmm. uh, I, I have a, a student a, a former student I'll name drop uh, John Kazillermoot who I've been so happy to see him just take this city mm-hmm. by storm mm-hmm. you know but he's he's like that I mean there is just seemingly nothing that he can't do and you know a lot of that stuff is stuff that he learned from me. I'm not being self-aggrandizing mm-hmm. here because he mastered it. Yeah, he didn't just noodle around with it. He totally, totally had it. So when people uh, hear him play a samba or an Afro-Cuban thing, it's it's just different if you really know how to do it. You know, it's that was my entree to kind of separate myself from the pack. Because there, the Kansas City is dripping and with great jazz drummers. I mean, it's always been that way. It's always been that way. So you know, it's I just happened that um, you know a singer when they would call a bossa nova, it's like wow. I don't know what it is, but it's just different with this guy. Mm -hmm. You know, and I like it. And he's just moved up my list about six notches. Mm You know, or, you know, uh, Joe Cartwright that I've, mm-hmm. I've worked with a ton and still from time to time, but, you know, he had some Afro-Cuban style things that he would do. And when I would play that, it wouldn't be, you know, some kind of Afro-Cuban-ish feel filtered through jazz. It would be, okay, we're doing it for yeah, real here. Yeah. And for him, just, I kind of feel like I'm in Havana or something, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, I just think that those things make a huge difference. Somebody says, well, I've written this tune, and I think it might have kind of a reggae feel. Okay, well, you can kind of go, or you can go, you know, and really bring it, and it's like, yeah. There it is. There it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I would 
would recommend mm -hmm. you know to the young guys get deep with stuff get mm -hmm. deep be deep yeah I know um, this is this is off of the the Ken Burns thing but Winton Marsalis was talking about the roux and the gumbo and I think you mentioned mm -hmm. that a couple minutes ago with you know well you might have a killing soup but you you're not really playing bossa nova like you're right like, oh when you said you were trans uh transposing that transcribing yeah music. and it wasn't it was a it was a bastard version of, oh of, yeah of a bastard whatever you know. three times <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> it was terrible it, yeah and that that's that's something that and then your other comment about know a lot of different styles i think that is really bad in the fiddle realm because they're either fiddle or classical mm -hmm. violin players. There isn't there isn't a third. You know, I mean, there's like six. You know, for for us, that's what's frustrating for me is because I don't have any like idols, mm -hmm. fiddle wise, like doing rock and mm -hmm. doing like mm -hmm. like Pink Floyd style. Mm -hmm. You know, jam bandy stuff. There there's like five ever. Right. You know that that are big names. Dave Matthews, Kansas. Mm -hmm. I mean, name 10 others, there isn't, you know, so like, and, and so that, that's one thing that I've been, that I've liked. And one of the reasons why I can even do the show and talk with a lot of random other people about stuff is because I like to really mm -hmm. spread myself out. And I, I think sometimes that's really great for me because I can, you know, to toot my own horn, I can run down to Blue Room and I have a couple tunes I can call and get yeah. up with those guys, <laughs> sit in with Brian Ruskin, you know, and then go over to Blues Jam and then country guy comes over your cheating heart okay you know and, yeah but in classical quartet gig and go sight read a little bit of that but i think the thing that frustrates me is that i think i've almost gone too far into too many things so mm -hmm. now i'm i i don't sound like a a a uh a steve lambert on anything mm-hmm you know, it's like I, you know, I'm. I'm well, it's an important thing, you I'm, know, when I teach. I'm competent with yeah. a lot of stuff, but I, but I'm not, you know, it, any any of you guys that are that are really specialized in anything, you know, I'm not. I don't sound like that in anything, mm -hmm. but I can go. I can go like sit in with pretty much everything, yeah. which is really fun for me. I mean, it's it's a. So I I don't know. I mean, because because you're talking about dive in. Right, I mean, you're talking about get get your different styles, but mm -hmm. you're like do it for real and dive in, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, you even even if you're playing a country gig, you know, it's like okay, this has got a Floyd Kramer piano thing happening in it. Mm. Okay, I know what DJ Fontana played on that, mm. and so I'm I'm gonna play like that. That's what I'm gonna mm -hmm. bring to this, and people go, wow, that sounds right. This sound like a, a jazz drummer playing mm -hmm. country. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's, it, these things are important. Mm -hmm. Be deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. Uh, la last thing, uh, you were talking before we started about kind of a gig scenario. Was that the, was that the other one you were talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. No, I just thing? said, one of the things that, I mean, I've had some funny gigs. I, one time I had a, a guy, I was sitting in with a country band even, uh, quite a few years ago. 40-some years ago, and this guy kept reading um, the license plate of a, of a truck that was blocking somebody, and you know, you've got somebody blocked. Okay, police have been called. Okay, the tow truck is here with the person with the license plate, da-da-da-da-da, red Ford F-150. Yeah. Oh shit, that's my truck. 
Put his face down and ran out the door. Oh, I mean, he must have read it five times before right. he realized it was his truck. Oh, that's funny. Now, the one scenario that cracks me up, though, is, is the drunk that turns on you. <laughs> so this guy is, is kind of a fan. He goes, oh, you guys, you guys are so good. You're so good. I can't believe how good you are. You know what? You're too good. You're too good to be playing in this place. You should be in What's the matter at... with you? Don't you have any drive? If I had your God-given talent, I would be, you know, and it starts to get ugly, and it's like, get this guy away from me. But I've had that happen several times, you know, where it just starts out very, very benign and how, how great you are, and then <laughs> it goes wrong. The drunk that turns on you. Dude, that's funny, man. I, I've... Yeah, I've had it, you know, other times when people have come up and said, why are you here in Kansas City? And yeah. I'm like, well, you don't understand anything. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. And like, you know, you don't understand oh, there was, the music scene. And like, oh, there was, there was one know. thing where we were playing. It was a Sons of Brazil gig. This is a good one. And this guy kept wanting us to play a, a blues. Mm -hmm. Well, it was, you know, it's a Sons of Brazil gig. Mm -hmm. And that's straight up. And he goes up and he goes, come on, can't you just play one blues for me? I said, well, if we could play blues, do you think we'd be bothering with this other crap? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> of course, the other guys in the band are howling. They were, yeah, yeah, that's funny, man. And that that is... And that's something interesting with what you guys do, where you guys are doing a mildly specialized thing in Sons of Brazil. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not playing everything under the sun. You have a yeah. kind of a thing that you do. And that, that always happens a lot when you have this, like this happens a lot with me where as a violin player, you know, I'm, I'm like trying to get up there and play like Almond Brothers on a violin. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's kind of cool, you know, and yeah. really unique. And then... But they, you know, all they want is this other stuff. And you're just like, man, you suck, dude. You know, like, like <laughs> screw you, you know? It's like, yeah. and it, it may be, you know, because you can look at that another way. It's you, you could read into him that I don't like what you're doing. I'd rather you did this. Yeah. Or I love what you guys are doing, but I'd also like to hear, you know, those are two different things. Yeah. But this... you take it as... I'm not doing good enough for you and you need, and the same thing with the devil went down to Georgia crap with me, right? Yeah. It's like, dude, I'm, I'm playing like Pink Floyd violin. Like you, you're never going to hear this again. Yeah. I'll, I'll bet you a lot of money. You're right. never going to hear right. this again. And they're like, you play devil went down, you know, I'm just like motherfucker, you know, yeah. like, you people, know, people, you know, know they, they attach a certain value to their, their musical tastes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not. They're not quite enlightened enough to, to, okay, this music is what speaks to me. You know, it's not necessarily better than anything. It's just what speaks to me. No, it's like, I like this, therefore it's good. I don't like that, mm -hmm. therefore it's bad. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so whatever I, and what I like the most is therefore the best. Right. The best music is what I like the most, you know, that's, mm -hmm. which, you know, you can't deal with that yeah i mean what are you gonna do yeah, yeah what like, are you gonna say yeah and that, that happens probably a ton with people wanting to you know yelling out the sweet home alabama even at your jazz gig you're you know right. wanting some pop right. tunes instead of you yeah. know this actual 
you know, ethnic music that's, right. you know, actually, actually interesting and... Yeah. And, Most of the time, people know. more or less have some idea of what we're going to be talking about. With the name, I often tell people, we're the Sons of Brazil, and that goes a long way toward explaining the music we Sure, play. yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, the band name, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I would think that, uh, I thought about this too with the idea of like playing covers or not playing covers or whatever and, and like, this is my opinion, but I think in the rock realm, it's definitely very much about songs, you know, they want to hear their, spit like regular, I'm talking about just regular mm -hmm. fans, they want to hear their, you know, um, Piano Man or the, you know, they want to hear these actual sp really Something specific that songs. With. Yeah, but, but over in the blues area and then the jazz area too, I don't get the impression that everybody that goes to Green Lady has any freaking clue what the names of these songs are. Probably. I, I don't think yeah. any of them do, but they want to come in this bar because they want to hear that sound. Mm -hmm. And maybe with you guys, you know, maybe they've heard Girl from Ipanema or, you know, a handful of them. Right. But they don't know the other names of your oh, songs. Absolutely. I mean, you know, but they definitely want to hear some latin -y sound coming out of a band, you yeah. know, that it's good. Yeah. You know, and so, like, that's their... I wonder if that's their comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They, they, there's the rock comfortable, and that's the comfortable part. Is yep. that they don't blues is the same way. You can write all sorts of originals in town as long as it's twelve bar, right. and then everybody's cool with it. Yeah, because it sounds like all the rest of them. You know, right. it's so. I don't know if you agree with that. If the jazz crowd is more less caring about the specific song, but they want to hear the oh, I, the yeah, sound. I, is, I, that, no, is I, that? I think that's true to an extent. There are always the the posers. You know that. <laughs> that come in, you know, and, and it's not only important to just come in the club, but you have to request a tune. Mm. So, you know, this was always funny when uh, I'd be playing at a place like the Phoenix, it has a lot of, you know, tourists mm. that would come in, um, and they would go satin doll and put a dollar in the tip jar, you know, and, <laughs> and usually their trophy date would already have been rolling her eyes for <laughs> an hour before that happened even you know and and uh you know you you get those people they're right that's funny you know, they, they request the only title that they know they're not even sure what it sounds like they just know the, right what the name of the tune is so it's signaling it happens yeah i know satin doll yeah that's funny which what, what signals they... anything but you know all right what is Oh, yuppies. Yeah, that's the word. I was trying to think of the word, you know, coming down and I'm I'm in this cool jazz club and I'm I'm here to experience culture and all that, yeah. you know. And right. That's crack that cracks me up. But uh yeah, man, I don't know. Um we could probably do this for hours. But uh yeah. You have I'm, no idea. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, well uh but anyway, I know that uh, a lot of people um a lot a lot of people know you and sons of brazil and and definitely from from the community but i think you know th thanks for thanks for playing you know all these years and i know everybody's enjoyed that well believe and, me it's been my pleasure oh yeah, yeah. My privilege yeah that's cool man and and definitely i look up to a lot of a lot of you guys that you know i kind of look at the scene in town as you know it's about you know probably more but this this town is just freaking loaded with really good players and there's a lot of trash here too, you know. There's a lot of people that don't know what they're doing, and but uh, you know, there's a handful of like, you know, fifty or more of mm -hmm. you know guys like yourself that are very accomplished and are very good. And then you've got the whole, you know, kind of UMKC guys that are 
insanely good too they're yeah. on like kind of next tier and then there's another whole tier of guys that are plenty good enough to play a gig and like oh yeah it's just insane how many yeah. good players there i are. love playing with my former students mm. at umkc i love i love that mm -hmm. and especially when they call me for a gig you know yeah that's like, funny oh, yeah that's cool yeah yeah is that that uh because i mean you saw them possibly even 10 years earlier or more right yeah. i mean yeah yeah so you've had a relationship with them for yeah yeah that's got to that's got to feel great right oh yeah yeah absolutely you know um people like ben lifer andrew mm -hmm. Olette, you know the people you mentioned sure. steve lambert you know mm -hmm. all those guys you mentioned uh really fun to to uh for them to consider me you know mm -hmm. up here which, yeah which i am that's you know, cool they've totally shown that they, they've, they've got everything it takes and more mm -hmm. yeah that's got to be really really neat i hope i get that opportunity at some point because i haven't been teaching that long so they, none of the people i've te taught are 30 yet you know well anything, there's guys so. you know there are even guys that have not even graduated yet you know mm -hmm. that are that are starting to work and and do a very credible job mm -hmm. it's fun to see them coming along yeah that's really neat man um Alrighty, uh, this is Doug Allwater. Thanks for coming, man. Thank you for inviting me, Rob. Yeah, no it's problem. Been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah, yep. thanks, man. So uh, come see Sons of Brazil and say your, your two books again. Oh, uh, Essential Latin Styles for the Drum Set and Essential Rock for the Drum Set. Uh, available at DougAllwater.com. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I have a Facebook presence. Uh, the books have a Facebook presence as well as a YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can see me demonstrate this stuff on YouTube, actually. Yeah, go, go search YouTube, for that. Yeah, that's cool that you're doing channel. some kind of demo videos and yeah. that stuff. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Um, there you go. Get out of here. All right. We'll see you Get later. Get home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>